Yeah, well, it's good to be with you again. <clears throat> Another beautiful transmission today. So maybe we could just start with a little alignment so we can build a group field. <clears throat> Just let gently let the day go, all of the things your body mind's been busy with. And then I Open the soul field, feel the, the vibrant consciousness that connects us all. And then coming deeply into your core, see if you can feel that dark core, that Shashumna, that radiant channel from the core of the earth, the core of the galaxy. And then bring all those cores together, realize them as just one life, one life force. You'll see if you can get a taste of that intimacy of when the cores of galaxies come together and all of the stars and all of the planets just pass through each other. Just vibrate that singularity. Okay, great. So a transmission today, it seems like, you know, part of the work of giving us all of this monadic stuff, the dark light is to then expand our consciousness. So the kind of idea of um, pouring dark light into consciousness is that supernovas, the sun, so our consciousness can expand because it has access to the dark. And one of the ways he expanded our consciousness last week was just opening this idea of, um, of other civilizations in cosmos. <clears throat> and I've been reflecting on that a little bit and feeling into, you know, what I, you know, a, um, a way of expressing it for me is that Earth's got a girlfriend. And, um, you know, we often tend to think of Earth as, as a, uh, as a feminine, you know, mother earth, but that's really only one half of earth. That's Gaia. That's the body mind of earth. That's the fertile mind and um, emotions and body and, and uh, the, the vibrating life of earth. But earth also has a, has a, um, a personality and a soul and a monad. 
And so that personality being, you know, in the traditions uh, or the soul of Earth is often referred to as Uranus. Uranus and Gaia were the original um, Greek polarity. So I think like he's definitely a guy and, um, and he's kind of a, like a man alone kind of guy. So it, it feels good to me that he might have a girlfriend arriving. And so I want to speak a little bit into that esoteric idea that we can, we can know something about this being that we're selling. So obviously very respectfully because, um, you know, a cell in our body doesn't really understand what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but it can, you know, uh, use the esoteric um, mechanism of as above, so below. If you understand the fractal of a cell, you understand the fractal of a human being, of, of a planet, of a galaxy, and so on. And it is true that if you were, let's say, you know, we were a bunch of liver cells in a human, we might not know much about him, but we can probably tell whether he drank too much or she drank too much, you know, because we're liver cells, so we're affected. So uh, as cells in the body of this being called Earth, you know, we, we are affected. And so the first part of this transmission tells us something about um, what the what the kind of psycho-spiritual process that the earth is going through. It's said in esoteric traditions that the earth is taking the second cosmic initiation. And, um, and at some point, I think maybe John uh, has, has some really good stuff on the initiations, but if you don't know what the initiations are, just briefly, most of humanity, you could say, are not on the path. So they're not on the initiatory path. They're, they're busy, you know, with their personality development. Once soul awakening takes place, then there is that born again phase, which is more the first degree where there is like, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of heat and light, a lot of excitement about the divine that's awakening in the being and a lot of desire to tell other people and convert other people and so on. By the time you know evolution progresses, you know sometimes through many lives to the second degree. The second degree is is the initiation that's that causes the most emotional suffering. It's where we um, have to deal with the fact that our soul is not in control of our emotional body, and our desire nature just sweeps through us and leads us in ways that we don't necessarily want. So normally, the the deep um, crisis that happens in the second degree is a crisis around the emotions and and particularly the emotions as they relate to attachment so you know for example somebody really deeply triggered in second degree stuff may go through um a deep crisis you know of addiction so alcoholism you know when it's a spiritual process not just a you know a physical addiction when it's a spiritual process often there's a mistaking of spirit for spirit and so there is this desperate longing for something, but you don't know what it's longing for. And the, the, the second degree is like hitting bottom. You know, it's a hitting bottom in addictive codependent relationships, hitting bottom in burning out um, in your work environment, hitting bottom in um, allowing your desires to sweep you when it's not what you really want. Um, so that process of hitting bottom is a very humbling experience where there's a confession of um, a lack of capacity. And then there's an asking for help from a deeper part of the being and the soul responds with help. 
So, um, but that helped that the soul response for is often like different. So let's say you've been an alcoholic or you've been in codependent relating, then you probably got to change your relationships because the ones you hang out with are also in addictive patterns. And so there is that process, you know, when, when the personality is really dropping its emotional attachment to other personalities and turning towards the soul of a deep suffering of letting go. And that letting go in that you need good soul friends. You need people in your life who care about you as a being and let you know that you're not alone in that process and they support you, but they can't do it for you. You know, so um, in a way, what he's saying about this um, extraterrestrial civilization, this other entity that is supporting the earth and the process is like their presence is, is coming into um, the awareness of earth. So when you, when you think about the earth as a being, and that earth is a being, even though we're really respectful because we're just cells in the body, but that earth is a being is somewhere on the cosmic initiatory path. It's not at the level of the sun, which is a third degree initiate. So it's, it's striving, it's struggling. And a lot of the problems that we might, you know, consider to be humanity's problems are really a part of um, this greater being. So, you know, the buck stops with him actually, or, you know, him, her, uh, because he's learning to control his cosmic astral body and not have, you know, just desire sweep through it without um, having the aspiration of the soul. So, you know, you could say, for example, from a planetary level, the whole of the 60s is kind of like, you know, the equivalent of a good ayahuasca experience or, you know, like a Satori in meditation or something that these great sweeps of civilization where, where, you know, deep movements move through humanity. They're like, you know, small pieces of time and space in the great life of this planetary being. So, um, yeah, the coming close uh, of the soul and the soul is group conscious. So, you know, when the personal, uh, when the personality in a human sense gets to that point, then you have to end the going it alone. You can't do it alone. Up until that point, you know, most people out there believe that they're individuals and they can cope with their own life. But when you're really on a soul journey, you realize that the soul is group conscious and at a certain point you need help. So um, I like to think of the earth as a bit of a James Dean character. You know, he's like, the, he's like the cowboy out riding the range, you know, thinking he can do it himself. Like, he's tough. He's gone down into deep matter. Um, but actually, this being has reached a point of um, just prior to the second cosmic initiation where there is a need for help. So, and because the call is to the soul, and because as we've been told in earlier transmissions, that humanity, that part of the planetary logos that represents his emotional body has said, yes, it's agreed to take the discipline of the planetary soul. So that's a, that's a process of deep suffering. And of course, what we're beginning to see and, and the upheavals in the world and racism um, and all of the, 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 um, the, the upwelling of the emotional body of humanity is part of this great initiation. 
And of course, what happens, you know, when somebody goes through that kind of man alone stage is they try to do it themselves. You know, like I know in New Zealand, we have a, a culture of the man alone, you know, still the generation that says, I'll drive myself to the funeral home. And they do, you know, like they don't ask for help and they don't ask for directions. Um, and, you know, maybe some Nordic cultures and other cultures have that strong as well. So Earth as a planetary rebel has basically gone as deep down into materiality as it can, realize that the soul now needs to, you know, um, uh, break through. And so is reaching towards um, soul group, just like you and a personal, most of you will have, um, most people who come to Haydn or Shambhala school and so on are somewhere around that second degree crisis either through it or, you know, in it or where there is a deep letting go of, of the old life and the, the deep living of a soul life. And that is a tearing, you know, it tears your relationships with other people. It tears your relationships with family and with, with friends and so on as you reestablish your relationships on a higher level um, between your heart and soul. So we can imagine the planet is doing that. The planet has is having to like let go of the of, of the you know man alone culture and start to embrace the need for help. So at the same time, this civilization that's needing to land is also giving soul support to the soul of Earth as it goes through this process. And because the soul is group conscious, then it connects to maybe many other planetary civilizations that are in similar stages of development. Just like, you know, once you make that decision to activate as a soul, it may feel really alone for a while and then you start to meet soul companions that you deeply resonate with and then you start to, you know, move forward in the next phase. But the going through of that door can be a time of intense suffering. And one of the things that's most needed at that door of the second degree is an act of the will, which means that the monad has to come in. And as those of you who have been through that would know, once you have made that act of will, and for a while, it's will versus desire. So, you know, just at a very small fractal level, when you decide you're going to go to the gym every day, and then you've got to beat your habitual pattern that says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sleep in like I always do. You've got a little tussle between your will and the habitual pattern of your desire. So if you blow that up to a deep level, you know, the second degree, you often, I remember when I recapitulated in this life, you know, it built to a crisis in my life and I spent an entire night sitting in a pentagram, you know, like up all night with all my inner demons, you know, just saying a mantra of I matter, you know, that actually the soul matters and there's something more important than all of the emotions and the desires and all of the inner life that would um, stop you emerging as a soul. So there's a battle between will and desire at the second degree. And, uh, and the will has to um, hold. So, you know, these beings can come and support us. So let's say, you know, we've been an alcoholic or whatever, and we have, you know, loving soul friends that take us on the 12-step program. And, but somewhere along the line, you have to decide, you have to choose. Okay, I'm done with 
the old ways and I am saying yes to um, a deeper part of myself. And that is an act of will. And that act, it said that, you know, there are places on the earth that are charged for hundreds, thousands of years where initiates made their stand and used their will. Because you're not just defeating an old habit in yourself, you're defeating a multi-lifetime um, set, set of accumulations by bringing in the soul and initiating yourself into another part. And when you do, another whole life opens up. And as people have gone through that, you know that all of a sudden, you know, the struggle that you were in, that life and death experience where you had to use your will to change your life in an extreme um, situation, once it's made and you've been tested and it's stable, now life leaps forward again and you move on with another whole part of your life. But you now know where your life comes from. You know that it's not just a product of circumstances or luck or your environment. You know that your life from that day forward comes from an act of will. The act of will of your soul, your personality aligned with your soul saying, this is who I am and what I stand for, live or die. That's the kind of depth um, that's required in order to take the second degree. So the world is divided, you know, and he's saying that there are millions of people who have taken the second degree now. And the crisis that we're going through over the next decade, which is this big crisis of the second initiation for the whole planet, is going to result in hundreds of millions of people taking this initiation. So, and, and just like it said during the Second World War, it was a time of great initiation because when there's a lot of pressure and tension upon you, you have to decide who you are. Like when you go inside to the core of your being, you have to decide when, um, when nobody is telling you what to do, who are you and what do you stand for? So that's the second degree, deciding even if it means your death, that you will stand for the soul that you are on the planet and the love that you are, regardless of the circumstances or what comes to you from the outside. So now life becomes much more simple because up until that point of time where most people are, then they're still running some kind of victim consciousness where, you know, the fact that they were, um, you know, whatever, whatever happened in their environment has been a reason for them to not fully express and they interpret people who are fully expressed as somehow lucky or privileged or some other way, which isn't to say that there aren't inequities in the world, there are, but a soul will shine through whatever circumstances they find themselves in. Just like someone like Viktor Frankl in the Holocaust, you know, like this idea, you know, and in a way the complaint of the emotional body, the beautiful victim complaint, which is pre-second degree, is basically always saying, look, there's this reason outside of me that means that I can't fulfill myself. Um, but somebody post the second degree knows that's bullshit, that actually they have found a place inside them that is connected to the eternal and the invincible, they have put their feather on the side of that and said yes to that. And now they know where their life comes from. It comes from that act of will. Okay, so we know this in our personal life or we know about that process. So imagine the planet as a being going through that process, the second cosmic initiation. And really this whole period of 200 years, what DK said in the transmission is, 
all my teachings over the last 200 years have been to prepare enough people within humanity to make this act of will. So, you know, just as, as when you make an act of will, you don't necessarily have all parts of you agreeing to it. You know, when you said you wanted to go for the gym or you wanted to, you know, uh, you wanted to give up um, some addiction or that you wanted to stand for a temple or to express your sole purpose in the world, not all of you said yes at that time. It's like maybe you were like in a peak experience and you were inspired and in that inspiration, you just said, yes, whatever comes, I'm a yes, I'm all in. Okay, but then a week later or two weeks later or a month or a year later, when other parts come up that didn't agree, they, did, they, weren't, they weren't consenting to your all in because they weren't conscious. They can come up from the unconscious and you have to deal with them. So that's why the second initiation is a prolonged period of suffering. And the suffering is the difference between the part of you that has said yes, absolutely, and the parts of you that are still emerging out of the unconscious, not, you know, um, and, and having to come on board with your yes. So the planet is in that process. It doesn't need everybody to say yes. It, and that, that yes has already been said in the inner world, but it needs enough, it needs a whole body within humanity, millions, hundreds of millions of people who collectively say yes, um, because they are those cells within humanity that are alive and um, are receiving the will. And so this will is, emerges under crisis. The monad always emerges um, when the soul and the personality are in extreme crisis. And that crisis, as you would know in your personal life, is, is when the gap between what you will and the forces of resistance inside you or around you becomes too great. It's like you have one foot on the wharf and one foot on the boat and the boat's moving away from the wharf. You know, that experience where you're like, you're going down. You've said, yes, you're gonna stand with all your being, but you're going down. So in that process where you're going down and that tension between your two legs is so great that you're just about to do the splits, that's when you can call on monadic energy. Okay, that's when you can call on something beyond everything that you now know. It's not soul energy. It's not more consciousness. It's not insight. It's life force. Where, and, and when the dark energy comes, when that energy from the monad comes, it sweeps away obstacles in miraculous ways that you cannot understand. But it comes precisely because you create the tension between what you stand for and what's possible. It can only come when there is a tension, just like electromagnetic energy comes when you have poles, you know, a battery, you know, there is a technique. And once you get to used to the technique at the second degree, you understand that when you commit and you, and you use your will, there's going to be a period of testing and tempering as the other parts of you come along. And in that time of testing and tempering, there is a gap. And in that gap, if you can stay present and you can stay conscious, then you can call on a monad. The sexual equivalent would be like, you know, in that gap for men just before,
for ejaculation. If you can be present in that moment, you can do something about it. If you can be present in the moment between what your soul has said yes to and all of the forces of resistance in yourself and those around you, if in that moment you remember to be present and call on help, then you call on the monad. And for the second degree to take place, you need a hit from the monad. So this hit from the monad for Earth as a being is coming in 2025. And what we're doing now is getting ready for that hit and, and you know, accumulating the, the capacity to receive that energy and also practicing the use of our will. So at this time of solstice is a huge opportunity to utilize the will, not just for yourself, but also on behalf of humanity. So yes, humanity has already made the decision, but that decision needs to be embraced and reinforced and grounded by more and more um, human beings. And, you know, he says that the difference between those pre-second degrees and those posts is the pre-second degrees, you know, go through, go through incarnation, you know, with 2020 hindsight. In other words, you know, if, if, 2012, you know, comes and nothing happens, or if alignments come and nothing happens, well, then they just sweep until they just go along with evolution until something is in their face. And then they say, oh, well, that was obvious. But post-second degree initiates know that they are the cause of evolution. They're not, they're not just swept along with the current of it. They are the active, willful parts of humanity, which help steer the ship. And they steer the ship through the deep inner core of their own being and through the acts of will. And those acts of will are not power over other people. They are decisions that you make in the core of your heart between you and God and goddess and the life force alone um, as an act of soul will. So those things that are, are helping create this evolutionary process um, for humanity are those that are using their will. So then he goes into a, a conversation about the, the use of will and the relationship between um, humanity as um, a being. And he's saying that humanity really, that to be called human, you really need to be between the third and fifth degree. So in other words, a third degree initiative is a, is a you know, to us, a really advanced being, somebody who has really fused their soul and personality, awoken their kundalini, has initiated a piece of global work and, um, uh, you know, stable in soul. So this is, you know, much rarer than a second degree initiate. And he says that's the beginning, like from cosmic perspectives, that's the beginning of being human between the third and the fifth degree is what's truly human. And then he gives a another definition of human, which is a cosmic definition. So human is not just related to earth. Human is um, those beings at a certain state and stage of consciousness in cosmos that stand between the form and the formless. Okay, so that a human being cosmically, you know, um, uh, explained is not limited to the biped human on earth. The human soul, by definition, because it's the fourth kingdom, is the bridge between formless and form. 
and in the human case on earth like because the planetary logos has gone gone so deeply into matter that human has become almost subhuman we've fallen away from our true role as human as humans in cosmos and we have misidentified with our body minds and with physical incarnation you know the 3d world so that that falling in is needs to be balanced by this other cosmic energy that's coming in that needs to land so as that balance takes place on mass humans will remember themselves and take these um second and third initiations so it's a beautiful um analogy he's giving as humans as bridges that our job is when we are fully functioning as human beings our job is to stand between heaven and earth to stand between the formless realms of the subtle and the the um the gross physical realms of body and mind and emotions and he says that the earth itself longs for awakened human beings like the earth the the, the physical form of the earth longs to be walked upon by awakened human beings because when a human being is awake so between the 3rd and 5th degree humans transmit something to the earth that the earth longs for okay so this is like rumi saying there's a there's a touch your body wants you know there's a touch your body longs for there's a touch that the earth longs for it longs for human and it longs for it as desperately as we long for the earth you know like like when indigenous tribes say are taken away from a place on the earth it's not just that they lose their roots the earth loses something there is a symbiotic relationship between a healthy humanity and the earth just as like the indigenous cultures you know they have song lines and and stories so humans when they interact with earth are supposed to generate story and that story is meaning and that meaning is consciousness and that consciousness connects heaven and earth so in the same way that that the many of the cultures that lived on earth they downloaded star lore onto the earth and they upload the energies of the earth so humans are supposed to be downloaders and uploaders between the subtle realms and cosmos and the more physical realms of earth and he talks about the fact that um in the past indigenous cultures worked the material of the earth and the earth longs to be worked it longs to be um you know responded to in a sacred manner and part of the problem with human civilization in the west is that we've lost that connection of the sacred working of the relationship with the earth and a classic example for me is antarctica like going to be in antarctica and realize okay this is a continent that hasn't given birth to a human race so in star laws you know the seventh pleiade is the one that's lost and of the continents antarctica is the continent that hasn't given birth to an indigenous culture which means that all of the poetry is still in the land all of the stories is still in the land it hasn't been worked so um i i think that the antarctica is going to be uh a very interesting continent for the next seventh ray you know 2000 years and he does say in the transmission that 
when you work with the will, you work with the crown center, the heart, and the base. And these have a connection in the physical planet. You know, in the etheric planet, maybe they relate to Kailash and Glastonbury and, and Lake Titicaca or, or you know, the, the, the Egyptian school and the Irish school and the New Zealand school. But in the physical body of the earth, that relates to the Arctic, the core of the earth and the Antarctic. And it says that the melting of the ice caps that are going on, I know in Siberia at the moment, they're having a huge heat wave, that the melting of the ice caps has something to do with um, the relationship between the sixth degree initiates, the fourth and the second, this process of the second degree emotional um, crisis that earth is going through will have something to do with those three centers on the planet which is kind of interesting because if you think of what's happening on the earth as a relationship between the monadic plane and the buddhic plane and the astral plane so in order to master the emotional plane for the second degree initiates all over the world they need fourth degree initiates to hold that point within humanity that's open to shambhala which is six degree initiates so that that initiation can take place. So um, it's an initiation of water in a deep way, of water and heart. The emotional body of humanity needs to be processed to the heart. And so that's one of the things that we can expect to see over the next decade is a deep upwelling of all of the repressed emotion um, so that it can be integrated into the heart center. So he referred to the solstice time too as a time when there is that alignment where we can um, use the will. And he specifically re recommended crystals. So, you know, last, last week was aliens, this week is crystals. It's like getting very new age for me. But, you know, like what he was saying about crystals is that they um, that the mineral kingdom and that just as there's a relationship between head and heart and base, the relation in the kingdoms is between Shambhala as crown, humanity as heart, and the mineral kingdom, which is why a lot of the old um, civilizations on earth were anchored in stone, because they can hold the dark light, that dark light can anchor in stone. So when, when humans are conscious of being able to run the Shashumna or the dark light, they can use, um, they can drop the energy into the mineral kingdom. So he's suggesting light your fire, you know, do your ritual or whatever, but then where the fire has burned, put the will that you stand for, for you and for humanity, and put it into a crystal and bury it into the earth there. And, uh, and I must say in my own life, you know, I can look back over 40 years now of doing things like, Carting rocks around the world and burying crystals and and uh, in fact there's 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 um, a place at the moment in uh, in America which where Shikara's just been where we buried a crystal maybe 15 years ago on this site which is flowering into another temple um, because the act of will comes long before the manifestation so again people who are pre-second degree, they believe circumstances create reality. People who are awake souls know that the active will comes first, it's the seed. And if that seed is planted clearly and strongly, then it inevitably manifests over time. So this, you know, recognizing that we're a beginning of a decade 
of initiation for humanity, that 2025 is the midpoint of that. And so this decade, the use of the will, the trained use of the will and the dark light by core groups within humanity is gonna be important to the initiatory process. So the solstice is a good time to begin to generate your own deep alignment with what it is that you live and die for, what it is that you, know, you offer yourself as one cell within humanity, which is just one part of this being called earth, which is just one part of cosmos. Like what is that alignment where you can use your human free will, which is the, one of the greatest gifts that each of us has for something in alignment with something. And to do that as a conscious and deep act, and then to connect that with the earth itself and to land that in the earth and bury it in the earth um, creates a powerful act. And I know even at Haydn, you know, 20 years ago in 2000, when we put the stone mandala on the property, um, we also buried a time capsule. Everyone put their sacred jewels and wedding rings and so on and buried it in the earth. And, and, uh, and then Haydn got sold. So I had to creep back in seven years later and dig up everybody's thing because it was a seven year time capsule. But I remember looking back onto that and, and realizing the power of it, the power of that ceremony where we said, Look, but we know it's here and we stand for it and we'll live and die for it and we'll bury something in the earth, you know, that's precious to us and say, you know, um, this is where, where we stand. And okay, it took 20 years to manifest, but it manifested. Um, so it's that kind of process that you're, you're in big time. You're not in the small personality, you know, what's in it for me by next Friday. You're in the what's in it for humanity over the long term. In the same way that these temples that, that yes, they're for us, but our job is to manifest them, but they're ready for the generations to come. They're, they're, uh, they're, a, they're a, a flow forward to the life which moves through generations rather than that little personality life. So um, yeah, he's starting to give technology for how to work with the new grid that's going to form on the earth. And he was, he was saying that the, the grid that we know now, you know, we, we, we know sacred sites and ley lines and um, all of these energy bodies of the earth, you know, like what chakra points are what and so on. And he said that all of that really is a leftover from the last anchoring of the mysteries, which were stellar mysteries. So many of those mysteries were anchored um, by cultures anchoring the star mysteries on earth. So the great periods and the great, great pyramid and Sirius and Orion, you know, Glastonbury and um, the great bear, um, Angawat and Draco, you know, these are all civilizations, the pyramids of the Mayans, these are all civilizations that looked into the heavens and built a relationship between cosmos and the earth. And he said, be careful when you think of sacred sites, they're not just places where the earth has upwelled a kind of energy, like, you know, just the electromagnetic energy of Earth that somehow causes amazing things to happen. That sacred sites are always a, a co-creation between humanity that, that's lived on the Earth and the Earth itself. So they are a working. They are working between the consciousness of um, animals and humans 
and the earth and cosmos. And so as they work, as the energy of the earth is worked, then it leaves energy patterns. And those energy patterns are like the etheric body of the earth. And um, over time, you know, now when you go and stand on a sacred site, you can have experiences because your, your chakra system has been activated by these deeper, longer currents, these civilizational currents. But he's saying that what's anchoring now, the grid that's anchoring now, of course, while it may work with and integrate with that energy electromagnetic grid of the earth, it's actually different. And it requires the anchoring of um, the dark light. So it's not just the stellar light, the light of consciousness, the Pleiades or whatever. It's the black hole light. It's the galaxy's light. It's the dark matter, dark energy light. It's that level of monadic relationship to cosmos, which needs to be anchored in the new temples. So that, you know, for most of the, the temples in the last mystery schools, the sun was at the center. You know, the principle of consciousness was at the center and it gave birth to things like Pythagoras and, and you know, um, the, 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 the Pythagorean mystery school really got into mathematics and sacred geometry and the, and the deep um, consciousness mysteries. But he's saying that the center of the coming temples will be dark, that each temple, even though it's it will have a, a different expression a ray expression the core of it will be shambhala and that shambhala energy is the same energy as the black hole it lives at the core of all things so this must live at the core of these temples and that energy moves through the earth in different ways than the electromagnetic energy of chakras or the light body so one of the ways he said that that moves through the earth is directly through matter. So we can think of like the electromagnetic fields, the ley lines and so on as passing over the surface of the earth. They're like the chi or the, the, the flows of energy, but that the dark light passes through matter. So instead of like this web of energy going around the earth, the dark light goes through the earth. I said, pay particular attention to places on the earth that are um, polar opposites. Just like when you're working with the monad in your astrology chart, you look for the polar opposite. Earth and the sun are opposite. So look for those places that go through the core of the earth, that a line between them goes through the core because the, the equivalent to Shambhala energy being at the center of every tempo is the core of the earth energy also needs to be at the center. There needs to be a deep marriage between that Shambhalic energy of the black hole and the core of the earth at the core of each temple or mystery school. So he also said, look at, you know, geometry and in particular the geometry of the tetrahedron and the star tetrahedron, no, of the octahedron and the star tetrahedron may be relevant in terms of um, the planet. So, you know, like, I remember once I got a planet Earth and put a, you know, a large octahedron on it and a, and a tetrahedron on it to see like, where are these points on the globe that if they were all activated together, that that might um, have relevance to the awakening of the core. Um, but the main thing he said is that, that the, the process of evolving a, a dark culture and a dark grid 
and these new temples landing, which will provide the monadic core for the civilization that's coming, that this process is a revelatory process. So it's not a, an envisioning process. It's not like having a master map of resonance and energies and then going where the map says. It's, it will be revealed by those beings who are making their alignment, dedicating and sacrificing themselves to the great adventure and then um, rhythmic action, taking rhythmic action, which is a seventh ray action, rhythmic ceremony and ritual and, and revelation will then come over where these places are, how they're worked with, what the new kind of rituals are, how to more deeply connect through the earth so that these centers are connected through the earth with each other. So some glimpses into this coming culture of the dark grid on earth that is not the same as the light grid. So it may not even be in the same places where the old, you know, ley lines and energy centers and so on are, it, but it will be activated by the relationship of awake human beings connecting with cosmos in a much deeper way into the dark energies of cosmos and building the story, the meaningful story between um, cosmos and earth between, and, and of course, those realms and cosmos have their subtle level correspondences. So the black hole is not the monad. It's just the symbol in the universe of the monad. The monad's outside the, the time-space universe. So these are symbols that we're referring to, but those symbols carry potent correspondences to the realities. So as we're, you know, getting involved in these transmissions, you know, and the emergence of the dark, like what is the dark? What is the core? What is the monad? What are the ways that we connect with it? How do we develop it? How do we grow it? How do we monadically relate with each other? And then how do we sacrifice and, you know, grow the monad through offering up? You know, then, then a culture will start to form that will have the monad at its core. And that this culture has to flow from six degree initiates through fourth degree initiates into second degree initiates of which there'll be hundreds of millions. So then he gave that image of the coming culture, a monadic culture. If you, if you took the image of the earth, it's like the six degree initiates, the monadic energy will be like the core. The fourth degree initiates are like the mantle and the crust will be the second degree initiates, those who are standing in the world with their emotions and their hearts linked to the soul. And that they'll, they'll actually be the ones who bring the outer change. And, um, you know, you can see we're in that process deeply in the world now where some people, it feels for them life or death, that they are on the planet for this moment, for this time. And that um, if, if, they, if they don't show up and stand for what it is that really matters to them, whether that's Black Lives people or whether it's souls or whatever it is for each individual, that if you don't show up and stand up for it, then, um, then your life is meaningless. So this is going to get greater and greater, you know, whether it's the battle for the soul of America or over the next decade, this internal tension or pressure as this big being, this planetary logos goes through or, or, or is on the way through the second cosmic initiation, then as above, so below, our own beings feel this deep pressure on the inside. And that emergent pressure through the core of your heart, through the core of your soul to 
to show up for what it is that you are as a being within that being um, becomes a tremendous pressure. And it's something that's not, you know, it's not seen. Like we're often on the world, we're talking about still what politicians and business people and so on can do to change the environment so that we have better lives. But there's very little talk about the psycho-spiritual process of what's happening inside people. And that what's happening inside people is arguably much more important on the planet than what's happening outside. Of course, you know, the environment and everything else, but these are like tremendous pressures that are allowing us to go through initiation. And sometimes when you're going through an initiatory process, you don't function that well in the outer world. Like, you know, that time when, when you were like barely hanging on by your fingernails to your consciousness and you couldn't, you, you know, you could barely wash yourself, let alone actually, you know, have a conversation with your mother because inside you, you were going through tremendous spiritual emergency. And so if we think of the planet as that as well, in times of spiritual emergency, maybe we don't pay great attention to our environment because it feels like life and death on the inside. And that process is just beginning. This, this decade-long process is, is really beginning. So we are in it. And knowing something about it, you know, is, is both useful in terms of the as above, so below, like the relationship between the big picture and us, and it's also useful in terms of where are those sources of aid and help that we can go to. You know, we can go to each other through the process of monadic relating. We can go directly to the Shambhala or this energy that connects to the, the black hole core of the galaxy and to the black um, emptiness of the universe. We can go to the earth itself. So what he's saying in that, you know, that we begin on solstice and then flow through for the next decade is marry the darkness at the core of consciousness, the monad, with the darkness and the core of the earth. And when you can marry those two energies, then use your will to um, ground the culture of the soul on earth. And so you can go to those sources that are non-human. You can go to the expansion of the soul of Earth now to its cosmic soul family. So there is support, not just for human beings from the soul, but from the cosmic soul. And you can, so that's in the realm of consciousness. And you can go to the, the animal and mineral and vegetable kingdom. It's like, you know, the whole planet is, is involved in this initiatory process. And those beings, the spiritual life of matter and of forests and of the animal kingdoms, they are really banking on humans to make this initiatory process because humans sit at the middle kingdom. So you can draw shamanic help. You can draw help from the consciousness sources and then you can go beyond those. You can go through consciousness into the dark light, into the monadic. And, and if you want to really access monadic power, it's not through meditation practice or, you know, whatever, all those, those things can help. It's through setting up enough tension between what you stand for and what is. Like that is the, 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 the technique par excellence of calling forth the monad is create tension in your own being between what 
you stand for your destiny, where you know you're going, what you really are for, and the reality around you of how you really know that you currently operate. And um, so if you create enough tension between those and you hold that tension, that draws forth monadic power, that draws forth the dark light. It's, you know, so it, it, you, you, you call it forth with your life. You call it forth with the tension of your heart between who you know you have to be and who you currently are. So that tension is also what humanity is going to um, have to face. We have, we, and we are already facing the difference between how we know it should be and how it is. Like the great despair people feel about the leadership on the planet and, and about the state of the environment and everything is, is the beginning of this huge gap and the gap is missing the will, okay? Because we all have been educated. Enough people know about climate change and all of the other big problems on the planet. You know, it's not that, um, that there is not enough information or education about what to do. There's just a lack of will. There's a lack of the capacity for human beings to truly show up in their own lives and be the solution to the problems that are missing. And there's, there's a, like a, a still a desire that things will happen. If you just, you know, let it be, then everything will unfold on its own. But that, that act of the will has to be taken up between the secondary initiates of the world. So it's, a, it's an enormous opportunity on a planet. If you happen to be on a planet this and on Earth at this point, and you're interested in the initiatory process, then you have an enormous opportunity because your own soul journey is lined up with this decade-long initiation that the planet's having. So if you go in eyes wide open and you uh, have enough love to serve humanity and you have enough, like, you know, of a thrill seeker in you to want to supernova your soul journey, um, then you can put yourself between those two worlds, the world that humanity's in now and the world that is going to emerge in another decade or two. So you can be a bridge. And one of the beautiful analogies he, he gave of humanity as a being is that humanity as a fourth kingdom in cosmos is a bridge. We're a bridge between kingdoms. Our job is to hold the tension of opposites, of the formless and the form. And he gave the analogy of the, the honeybee. So the bee is kind of a bridge between kingdoms. It bridges the vegetable kingdom that needs to be fertilized and the animal kingdom that needs its honey. So it goes about its business, but that business results in a bridging relationship between two kingdoms. And that human beings, if we go about our business as being human in cosmos, we create a bridge. But in order to create that bridge, we actually have to get out of too, too great a dependence upon the form and the body mind and the earth. So we have to get off the tit of mummy earth and at least be at that plane between Uranus and Gaia, between the conscious being of earth and the body mind of earth. If we can get to be in that plane, then we hold the bridge between those worlds. And that is the very thing that the, the planetary logos has tried to achieve. It's trying to achieve the difference in tension between what's happening now on the planet 
and what's supposed to be happening, what the, what the, the power and the purpose of planetary life beyond what we know is, is um, supposed to be. So as humans stretch themselves as a bridge and the more and more humans that make that stretch, the more and more they initiate themselves, call forth the dark light and make possible this great transition. So, you know, that, that's a, that to me is an inspiring, um, uh, it's an inspiring vision and explanation of that tension that most of us feel inside our own being. That, you know, you're, you're, living, you're living a story of tension, but there is a, it's a healthy tension. And the two types of suffering are, there's the suffering that comes from holding the tension, like being caught between two pillars and them pulling you apart, the crucifixion, and the suffering that comes from not showing up for who you are. And I know in my life, this, the, the, the suffering of the crucifixion is much less than the suffering of um, not showing up deeply for my own life and having a reason why that was so on the outside. So, you know, then we reach to each other because second degree initiates plus, they know they can't ease your legitimate suffering, that your suffering is actually a result of this planetary process of initiation that we're in. And it's a suffering that you are choosing. Okay, because if you have used your will, you basically said, yes, I'm in. Like, I'm in, eyes wide open. I know it's going to tear me apart. I know uh, more of me is going to be asked than, than, than I, I know yet. But I'm in because that's the adventure I came from. So then you support each other in a different way. You support each other to hold the tension, to be in that tension, to use the will to support each other, to lovingly support each other in that process. You can't take the weight of the individual soul's journey, but that you can be in solidarity with it. You can be in deep compassion, which brings me back to that image of, um, you know, the, the extraterrestrial civilization. You know, what I'm feeling about that is that that's the drawing clo close of cosmic compassion. That's the drawing close of the soul of another civilization that is standing with us in this process of earth initiation. That's standing in support of that. They can't do it for us. It's not gonna download some clever technology so we can suddenly get out of the mess. We have to get ourselves out of the mess through an act of will enacted through human beings all over the planet. But, um, we are, we are having energy that comes to stand with us and believes in us and supports us and has an investment in us making the choices that we have to make in order to progress through this next evolutionary stage. So, um, yeah, the excitement of the perspective of the decade ahead and of the, the challenge, you know, the huge challenge, and also that when we go through it, he's saying that there will be a huge acceleration in planetary evolution. So, and as you know, if you look back into your own life, there were times where you were in spiritual emergency. And probably the best thing that you could have done is not go to a psychologist who just told you to go back to work and forget about it, but actually have the support of somebody who'd been through that process before 
who had compassion for you and encouraged you to keep doing your inner work and to hold through that process until you broke through on the other side. When you were in that process, you probably couldn't do much in your life. You know, you probably just barely made it from dawn till dusk. But after you went through that process and you brought your will in and something deeply shifted, then all of a sudden, all of the synchronicities happened, all of the resonances happened, and you opened up. So as Earth is saying, goes through this initiatory process, on the other side of it, you know, maybe a decade or two down the track, all of a sudden, Earth will then expand into the greater adventure, the greater cosmic adventure of the game that Earth's in. And then there'll be a huge acceleration in the integration of all of the body-mind of Earth and all of the cultures and the races and the religions and everything else that, you know, currently our intention will all be resolved because there'll be a much bigger thing to focus on, a much greater game, a much more interesting um, journey for um, Earth civilization than the, the drama that's playing out now. Okay, so <clears throat> that's um, the essence of the transmission today. And uh, so maybe just take a moment and we'll just let that wash through and feel like where, where it hits you, where it resonates with what's going on inside you. And then we'll just open up for some sharing. Um, I'll, um, what's um, coming from me is really the structure you spoke about six degree initiates and fourth degree initiates and second degree initiates um, could represent the structure of the emerging temples and I was wondering uh, how you were picturing the intrication between the fourth and the sixth degree initiate in terms of externalization or the process. So could you repeat that last question Oliver? I'm sorry. The last, the last question. How did I see? What how the last you, question? How could how could you picture the the, um, the process and the, um, the the intrication between the fourth degree initiate and the sixth degree initiates in terms of externalization, or mm. um, how do you picture the presence of the sixth degree initiate at the center of the the temple? Yeah. Well, at this stage, you know, and probably for the next, you know, a little while. It will be mainly second degree initiates will be the visible ones in the world and fourth degree initiates will be at the center, you know, embodied center of certain um, initiatives and the six degrees will be operating largely subjectively until the time comes that they can land and manifest the same process that I talked about in terms of cosmic civilizations that need to take bodies to them. The same process happens within earth the six degree initiates are on the monadic plane the buddhic plane holds the fourth degree initiates so in order for beings whose center of gravity is the monadic plane to come into full physical existence in our current culture would be a huge act of suffering and sacrifice so i imagine they will land as we as our culture goes through its initiatory process Okay, other questions or observations? Yeah. I've got a question, Bruce. So you mentioned in regards to, to the monad being somewhere between uh, what you stand for and what is. So, uh, and, and creating that tension between sort of sitting there. 
So for me, in my language, that's kind of what I feel would be maybe a flow state. How does that resonate? Sure. Well, I think a flow state is kind of when you're in the zone mm -hmm. and where actually things are manifesting reasonably effortlessly. So mm -hmm. when you're in the zone, everything's dancing around you, magic's happening, right? You're in the uh -huh. flow. But what, I, what I'm particularly talking about for the monadic is you're not in flow, you're in crisis. Okay. And the only thing that you can hold is, is just that sense that you said yes to this. So you give up, but you don't give up. And in so, that tension between what you stand for and, and where you are, that's where the monadic energy arrives. Quite interesting because, you know, even when you say that, I, I, I've been in both. And so for me, it's also that, that sitting in the balance kind of thing. It still feels very similar, even though they're very different emotions. Um, so it's very interesting. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do think they are similar in the sense that when you're in that point of tension, you're often burning because you can't tell whether you just need to like keep holding and there's something outside you that needs to change or whether something inside you needs to change. And normally it's a mixture of both, that everything starts to burn. But as you hold the point of tension, then the monadic energy can get to you. It can't get to you unless you hold the tension. Shakara. So just, um, I was just really interested in what you had to say about um, the relationship of like monadic energy through the heart of humanity and down into the mineral kingdom, because having just got back from Northern California and the exact piece of land you were talking about, sure, I knew that it was gold country in the vicinity. What I didn't know is the 200 acres that we've been working on for these years is right in the middle of gold, gold country. There's gold veins everywhere. And more than that, there's quartz crystal veins, which I didn't know about. So I'm just really trying to get a little bit of information on the relationship between gold and, and the minerals of gold and um, quartz crystal. And this is the, the location of the new um, Northern Californian temple. And so I am very excited about it and also wanting to kind of understand more about the different relationships and the incoming monadic energy a galactic cosmic universal energy that are pouring in at the moment and the way they would be anchoring or, or um, amplifying in places like this. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I'm thinking also of um, Alto Parizo in Brazil and all of the courts there. And also when we were in Mongolia, Sharon, and all of those old dinosaur okay. bones and there was a very high iron iron content everything was red in that section of the gobi desert and that's where the lightning was hitting all of the time remember it's like lightning was pouring in there for some reason attracted to the iron um ore of the gobi so yeah the mysteries of the manu the mysteries of the relationship of shambhala with the crust of the earth and what's inside the earth i think will uh, you know still be to be revealed, but that black dragon energy, awakening that in temples and working with the dark energy in the earth, I think is what initiates ahead of us will have to do. Oh, um, so you, you talked about uh, yeah, uh, being in crisis and, and holding the tension and then you also talk about the honeybee and how the honeybee just goes and does its thing. 
and just want you to elaborate a little bit more because yeah when we talk about holding the uh, being in crisis and barely being able to live that really doesn't speak to me as as just going and doing my thing and 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 being a bridge yeah hey hunter i didn't recognize you for a moment with your new haircut looks good um the you know, this is an age-old argument between the masculine and feminine energies on the spiritual path, you know, that um, sometimes you're just in flow and effortless and everything unfolds and people are like in that path are like, well, I'm just following Shakti and, you know, it shouldn't be an effort. It should just be easy. And then there's, and, and sometimes that is just an avoidance of responsibility and sometimes it's true. And then there are people who are the crisis ones who are like, no, I'm always in crisis because crisis brings me energy, but sometimes they're needlessly in crisis. You know, they generate crisis just to live in crisis. And so th those kind of spiritual paths kind of argue with each other. But th the deeper truth I think is that there are times for crisis and then there are times for flow. And that, um, you know, if you watch nature, nature goes through accelerated bursts of energy and then it cruises and then accelerated bursts and then it cruises. And so on, the, on my experiences, there are times when I need to just let everything happen and not try to interfere with it at all and just, you know, surf it. And then there are times when I need to stand, live or die, no matter what, and, you know, be whatever needs to move in the field. And, you know, wisdom is knowing when to do what, you know. So there is, you don't just follow one path. You actually have to dance between them both. Hmm. Mm. Mm, thank you I feel that just nailed something and it's like I can feel in my life this the tension has been where I just want to be in the in the heart of the soul initiation work always and like not just be part of that but then be part of others initiations and just be at the center of that always and then also realizing that there's a time to extend and hand outwards to the rest of the world and how that may look like is only revealing itself more and more. And I can feel the tension in myself that just wants to be in the center of the temple and another part that knows it's time because there's the rest of humanity and things are revealed that are saying people are not eating, people are suffering. So what are those ways? But I also don't want to feel that I'm going out as savior, I'm in the doing, to continue holding that central electrical lightning rod at the center of the temple. And so I could feel that deep tension in myself and um, the longing there that I'm able to be and dance with both in my life. Um, so I'm starting to, for the first time, to really realize what the power of this alignment coming up and how it will shape the next decade if I'm holding that and at the same time extending myself outwards. And it's not just my selfish will for me, but I'm actually holding this will for the collective too. So thank you. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. You know, what he says about the dark path is that it's revelatory. 
And what that means is you can't figure it out. And I know most of us really torment ourselves with the shoulds, you know, like, should I be more polyamorous? Should I be more monogamous? Should I like, you know, go out and, you know, serve the world or should I like do my inner work or all of this stuff that is always, always going on inside us. And, and the beautiful thing is that the, the dark path is, is it's, it's a yes to all of that and a no to all of that. It's got nothing to do with following a way or a path. It's got to do with being so in tune in the core of your own being with the dark that you can, you can live in the paradox. And, you know, like it feels like most of humanity is stuck somewhere between CNN and Fox News, that they think that their opinions will help them, that actually if they can just have the right opinions about <laughs> what's going on in the world, then somehow they can kind of control it. Actually, it's got nothing to do with their opinions. Their opinions are just ways of like trying to stay safe. And and our opinions about our spiritual path and development also really don't have anything to do with it. And my experience, and I know yours also, Yasmin, is that when push comes to shove, I watch what I do. And what I do in crisis is often nothing to do with what I think. It's got to do with actually in those moments, I have to learn to deeply trust that I will know and that there is no preparation for it. There is no way of understanding it. The understanding will come after the, the deep uncertainty and trust in that is the path. So it's, it's you know, not for the faint-hearted, but it's a beautiful path when, um, when you get used to it more. I'd like to say something about the, um, the one of the things I, you know, learned earlier on was that earth in a sort of local cosmic neighborhood was a non-sacred planet. And I found that really quite hard to, to sort of digest at first. Um, it says a lot about my spiritual ego, but if you have a look around at what goes on, you know, the constant wars and the way we treat the different kingdoms and nature, etc., then part of my journey at the moment is really a deep acceptance and surrender into the non-sacred aspects of my own nature. And of course, we've all been doing shadow work and, and that, but it seems a particular, a particular good time to just drink another cup of that poison and another bite of that pie. And, um, and so, yeah, so I'm interested in, in Earth from, um, in terms of the initiation process, its process too of becoming a sacred planet uh, like Venus. Uh, so yeah. I just wonder if you want to say anything about that. Only that in a way it's so beautiful, not that we're looking for excuses, but it's so beautiful to understand that um, this being has his own journey and it can release us from that sense. Like imagine of a whole lot of liver cells, you know, like they really, if they got together and the liver cells of an alcoholic, they might think they're really screwing up. Like they're working nine to five, you know, like trying to process all of this alcohol and um, what are they doing wrong? Like over and over again, but actually um, the being that they're part of has, you know, has an influence on them. And so the being that we're part of is not a sacred planet. So, uh, you know, he, she, you know, the beyond gender, this cosmic being, this cosmic shaman, is running energy through his emotional body, which is sweeping through humanity, which is still not solarized. It hasn't got, you know, cosmic booty and the cosmic monadic energy running through it. So, you know, human beings have, each person has responsibility for their own lack of will, but they are, we are part of a being 
being who does not have control of his emotional body yet. So it's kind of good to know that and, um, and to understand that, therefore, if you're going to stand beyond second degree, you're standing against the, the status quo. The status quo is the desire body rules. So if you are standing for will beyond the second degree, you're going to have to like stand with desire sweeping all around you and resist it. Um, but in doing that, you're part of one of the cells that's doing it. So yeah, I love the, I love being able to, to work with the perspective from below to above to understand something of these big beings that we're part of from our own process. Thanks, Sean. Okay, so this is the last transmission before solstice. And, um, you know, I hope that uh, in some ways, I feel like so many of these, these transmissions have been given again at this time, started up again in order to help prepare, um, you know, for this next decade so that we can have some sense of what we're living through, some perspective of what we're living through. And it kind of makes it easier to embrace it um, with that perspective, or it does for me anyway. And also some very practical um, hints about how most efficiently to use our energy and specifically to use the dark energy, to use the Shushumna, to use that link between the monad and the black dragon energy in the core of the earth, to not worry so much about consciousness, to let the rest of humanity argue about the rights and wrongs of consciousness, but to move more deeply into the energy behind consciousness, the energy that's coiled up in matter and coiled up in the monad and begin to use that willfully. You know, he does say that, that we have no idea the power of, of groups that can begin to wield this energy. It's very different from, you know, like, like it's interesting, seeing as we had crystals this week and aliens last week, you know, like I remember going to like a psychic fair or something one day and, you know, sitting with everybody in the, the, the realms of light. And, um, and the reality is that often, um, many people in the new age are impotent. So they have this wonderful experience on the inside, but they're actually not really having an effect on their environment. Whereas people who have gone down and done their embodiment work, they've done their dark work as well as their light work. Now, when they marry the two together, when they marry this cosmic consciousness, which is the realms of light, with the power of being deeply in the body and the shamanic connecting to the earth, now we will start to see power. And that power is, is, is different. It's new. It comes from the use of the will and humans being lightning rods between those two energies, like being the bridges between them. So a lot of our work is to stretch ourselves between these two extreme energies and to allow them to pass through it. And when they pass through us, they pass through us into the earth. So when, wherever you are on solstice, See if you can, you know, find time to be on the earth where you're called, you know, where you have a sense that the earth wants you. Remember I said the earth longs for awake human beings. It receives a kind of nourishment, an elixir from them if they are connected. So notice where you're called on the earth and in a way allow yourself, like if your prayer is, 
look, let me be a bridge between the earth and cosmos. Let me be a bridge between where humanity is and where it needs to get to in the next decade. Let me be a bridge between my karma and my destiny. You know, let, let me be the, the connecting energy between poles and then allow that energy to move through you. And as it's moving through you, of course, it has effects on your consciousness. Your consciousness expands. You have peak experiences, but those peak experiences aren't entertainment. They're not recreation. Those peak experiences are so that you can use your will at those peak experiences to help direct those energies. And the earth needs awake human beings to do that. So find a place on the earth, you know, the time of the, 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 those of you who are doing the 12 hour vigil, like to be in a, in a, in a, I, um, to be in the asana or the, the attitude of being a cell within humanity that the being, the big being of earth can use at this time to help begin the process of using the will to break the hold of the emotional body. And you know what it's like in your own life, the emotional body can go round and round and round and cause drama for yourself and everyone else for a long time. <clears throat> and so the planet is to break that, it needs you know, help. And, and also to use it as an opportunity to get yourself into that life-death tension, you know, that, that place of tension between um, where your life is now and the things that you are done with and you are saying goodbye to and where your life is going. Like if you can create a tension between those so that you are, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like um, New Year's resolutions on steroids. It's like, you know, lifetimes resolutions where you are clear inside your own being, what you are standing for and what you're not. And in that tension, that's where the monadic energy comes. And when it comes, store it in the earth, like let the earth have it. And that earth will receive that and release it over the decades to come. Um, and at the same time, you know, bring all of that energy to your heart, the link between the darkness of the monad and the darkness of the earth should really activate that core energy of the heart. And, you know, there's something here, which is grief because one of the ways that you will know on your own journey, um, when there is a deep need for help, there is a helplessness that has to be confessed. There is a grief. And if you can feel what's happening on the earth and the consequences to so many species and so many human beings during this tension, then one of the responses to that is not just all of the rage that we see out there in the world, but it's a deep grief, a deep grief that, um, that humans are going to be going through a prolonged period of suffering. And because they've been resisting that suffering, they're causing suffering to many life forms around them. And, you know, the opening of the heart is the acceptance of that grief, not the immediately, you know, moving into doing something about it, but the acceptance of the grief. When something is truly over, it needs to be grieved and put to bed. And there's a civilization that's dying and it's going to cause a lot of suffering and feeling that grief um, is one of our ways of actually moving the energy through the heart and coming to peace in the heart. So yeah, just some encouragements for your time over solstice. And um, thank you for being a field that actually these um, transmissions can land in and work their way through. 
and uh, yeah, may I ask something? Sure. Or, or rather, I'm not sure if it's a question though. It's um, maybe um, it's it's been more uh, coming up on the surface, especially after the last transmission about the aliens, and also here that. Um, I remember as a child seeing those um, peoples from outside uh, roaming around the place where I lived on, lived it and, and grew up on. And I, I have fear Here from that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've also witnessed them through other people in my adult life. And I guess I I would just like you to elaborate more on the thing that you said that through the in the transmission was said that they are friendly mm. and and how, how do i know the difference to what i'm consenting to mm. yeah well thank you for bringing your vulnerability i can feel your fear and and it is always terrifying in a way to open ourselves to anything beyond what we know, because how do we know that actually what we're opening to is safe for us? And particularly most of us have had that trust over and over again um, in life. So it becomes then, you know, keep everything out or how do we know who to trust? Because most of us are trust abused. So for me, the, the answer is the heart. Like that place you're feeling now, you know, your, your vulnerability and your helplessness um, is, is, uh, is a sign and something that you can use because these energies will never break your consent. They won't force themselves into your energy or space. Okay. So anything that is happening against your consent, whether it's from another being or an alien or whatever else, like stop it, leave you know, but if there's a gentle knocking at the window of everything that you know, and there's an invitation without um, force, then, you know, that, that's a reaching, it's a reaching towards you rather than a um, attempt to get anything from you or, so that quality, that quality of loving, compassionate presence that is aware of the fear that's what you're looking for. And when that bridge is there, then you can safely open, but you still have to go through the, all of the times you opened and it wasn't safe, you know, so all of those feelings will still be there. Okay, good luck with that. All right, beautiful Bruce, to see you all. Bruce, and feel you. Bruce, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. I can. Who is that? It's Taki. Taki, hi. 
Hi, Timo. <laughs> Looks like you've come back from your boating adventure. Yes, we've landed and we're not getting up for a while. <laughs> but aside from us, I just want to say, yeah, I'm, I've been in tears over the past several minutes. I don't know. Anyway, just thank you. Thank you for the past uh, over 20 years of your relentless bell tolling me and translating through your own lived experience in a way that we can chew and swallow and integrate what comes through an incredible being decay to land here and you being that bridge consistently and relentlessly and it's just yeah so much gratitude and so much love for what you do and what you sacrifice and what you hold and what you love and what you show and inspire and all of us and whoever we touch and so on and so on so just before so is this thank you thank you Taki appreciate your love and you know I also appreciate being able to just like this this transmission is not be alone in this like to find the the parts of us all over the world that are willing and open to open themselves to receive these transmissions that are so available for us right now so much help is available and I'll often you know what's in the way is really our capacity to trust so it really helps to have other humans that we can trust you know to help build a bridge and that's what I know you're doing for so many people see you in the solstice fires much love thank you Bruce Mm, hi Judith. Thank you, Bruce. Love you. Yeah. Hi, Ayla. And everybody at Hyden, I'm not going to be there, but I, I dug a pit, a fire pit in my stone circle up here, my circle of eight standing stones, and I'm going to, you know, um, connect with the stone mandala at Hyden from here. And I just love this feeling that we are one being around the world and all of these different places with one heart and one life. Okay, see you in the inner. Bye. Love you. <laughs>